We are going to energise the country. Stop Brexit. No more Mr Nice Guy. Seamus and not sure this is a great idea, is it? Order! Hello and welcome to The Debated Podcast. I'm your host, Will, and I'm joined by my co-host, Conrad. Hello. And in this episode, we're joined by the Labour Party's prospective parliamentary candidate for Kenilworth and Southam, Anthony Tucker. Welcome to the podcast, Anthony. Hello, it's nice to join you. Uh, So to begin with, uh, I'd like to ask, the Conservatives have held um, the seat that you're standing in for the past nine years. How optimistic are you about the campaign to beat them and become elected the next MP for Kenilworth and Southam? Oh, well, I'm, oh, there's always reason for optimism. Um, I suppose people say, what do you predict? How do you think things are going to go? And my answer to them is always, well, whose predictions over the last five years have actually come true? Uh, it seems to be we live in a very... Uh, a very unpredictable age. After all, who would predict we have a, a Labour MP for Kensington and Chelsea? So no, I'm very optimistic indeed. We just had an announcement today with Nigel Farage saying he's um, not going to stand in the Brexit Party candidates in currently Tory-held seats. Obviously, Kenilworth is one of those. Do you think that the Brexit Party not standing has any effect on your chances at all? And what do you think sort of overall this effect, the effect that this sort of unilateral standing down will have on the general election? I mean, that's a very good question. I suppose today's announcement has really revealed is that all the Brexit party is just another wing of the Conservatives. And I think people are starting to see through that single-issue party who are just an, an off-splitting of the Tories. Um, in terms of what effect they'll have on the election, that's a very good question. Um, I think it'll be very interesting to see. But the thing I'm feeling positive about is that Labour's message our message is very much focused on reuniting the country. It's not about leaving Remain. It's about creating a more positive future for our country, one based on investment, not on austerity. Um, the Labour Party has also uh, recently announced its proposals for what it would do in government for uh, veterans, including... Um, <clears throat> removing the uh, public sector pay cap, uh, which is amongst the uh, the pledges, and um, investment more in um, aftercare for veterans. Uh, what do you think of uh, Labour's policy for veterans, and how much uh, influence do you think it will have on the outcome of the election? Well, I hope that the electorate are going to appreciate that this is a really positive programme, a comprehensive programme to improve the lives of our serving men and women. It is very, very, I think it's more important than ever that we recognise just how badly the austerity regime of the last nine years has impacted even our serving men and women. I mean, we said about in terms of pay, the pay for private is in real terms over £1,100 lower than it was in 2010. It's, but it's not just about that. It's also about making sure that after people have served that they get the uh, medical care, including treatment for PTSD that's um, necessary, and also ensuring that people get decent homes. The, the sight of homeless veterans on our streets is a national scandal, and one which the Tories have completely failed to deal with. So, um, going back to more of the constituency, um, we're all Warwick or ex-Warwick in, on this podcast, Cast today, um, and obviously part of the constituency 
includes part of the University of Warwick and some students do live in Kenilworth. Do you think that there'll be a student impact on this election? I would hope so, yes. Of course, it's not merely that there's a student population in Kenilworth. The, Kenilworth is the original student feeder town for uh, University of Warwick, but of course also that three, I believe, three of the larger halls are in the Kenilworth South constituency. So I would hope that uh, students are going to turn out. This is an incredibly important election. We cannot understate its importance. And as such, I hope turnout will be higher. Uh, now, <clears throat> continuing again, uh, looking at the constituency itself, uh, public transport is a very big issue uh, in Kenilworth, uh, as is um, <clears throat> the proposed uh, route of HS2. Uh, how do you think that uh, the Labour Party and yourself, if you become a Member of Parliament, would best deal with these issues uh, at a constituency level? So, well, I mean, those, uh, those are two very big questions, but I think it's best to deal with them separately. So local transport, public transport, is something that we've really seen hit hard by the Tories' programme of austerity. I think it has to be a priority for us not just to address uh, question the railways by nationalisation, but also restore bus routes. Far more people commute by bus than by train. Equally, you have, when you look at rural areas like the Kenilworth and South constituency, we see that there are increasingly villages which are essentially cut off from the grid. And if you're older, if you lack a car, if you're younger too, that's a complete alienation from the community in which you want to live in. So the restoration of bus routes has got to be a priority. It's something I believe in very strongly. And something I'd push for as an MP. That's particularly important you take into account young people and commuters. Um, so certainly the extension of uh, cheaper bus travel to more people has got to be a priority. Um, when you talk about HS2, I mean, it's difficult to know what's going to happen. The, the, the Tories change their mind every five seconds about this and they've announced this review that's going to happen. The overall question of HS2 and then there's the constituency implications, which are both considered to be very important, I know, by local, local, local campaigners. I know a lot of people are very worried about the cost in money, but also in terms of the environment. Uh, there's ancient woodlands in both Warwick and Leamington and Kenilworth and Southern constituencies, which are in the firing line. Um, I know I can speak for myself and a lot of other Warwickshire candidates where we are keen to see investment made in transport, but we're also keen to see the very environment we want to protect preserved for future generations so um on brexit which obviously seems to be the biggest issue in the election it's sort of overshadowing everything else um kenilworth voted 53.5 percent estimated to be remain um but obviously that's quite a close result do you think that labor's sort of position on brexit will play well or do you think people will prefer sort of lib dems on one hand or conservatives on the other with the stronger I guess clearer positions I mean, if we're talking about clarity, I don't believe anybody is going to uh, vote for the Conservative incumbent, Jeremy Wright, on that. I mean, this is a man who prides himself on saying he voted Remain, and yet this year he's been voting for a no-deal Brexit, presumably so he can get himself back in the Cabinet. No, I think the real divide now is not between Remain and Leave. That was 2016. In 2019, the difference was between parties that will trust the people and those parties which would ignore the people. That's why I think our position is so strong. See, the, the Lib Dems with their revoke petition and the Tories with their position that's all based around the hardest Brexit possible. Not what was promised back in 2016, of course. 
that shows a total ignorance and a total contempt for what people voted for. Labour's position is one where we will trust the people. We're the only party that is going to give people a fair choice, as we were originally promised back in 2016, between a leave option that won't completely trash the British economy and the choice to remain in the EU. Um, just continuing uh, amongst uh, the theme of Brexit, uh, Labour's policy is to go back and renegotiate a deal and then put it to a public referendum. What do you think would be the main difference between the Labour Party's deal and the current Conservative deal? I think there's two big areas where any Labour deal is going to be far superior to a Conservative one. Firstly, we're going to fight for consumer and workers' protections. We are not going to sell hard-working families down the river by enforcing longer hours, lower wages, which is Tories' vision, I'm afraid, for a post-Brexit economy. Environmental protections are also key. We can see how severe the problem of the climate emergency is now. We cannot afford to create a dirtier, nastier economy in which there are no pollution limits, in which there's no effort to create sustainable growth. I think those two areas are stand foursquare with our position that we have to, before, during and after Brexit, protect workers, protect consumers and protect the environment. So you mentioned sort of sustainability there. Um, the Green Party did quite well in Kenilworth during the local elections, won a few seats there, um, and they're standing in this general election. Do you think the Green Party sort of are pointless because the sort of Labour Party have got these sustainable green policies, or do you think that there's sort of still a voice for them? I do worry about the effect that the Greens are going to have, not so much in Kenilworth and South, but across the whole country. Back in 2015, if Green voters have switched to vote Labour, it would have been made a difference of about 12 seats, which, knowing how close this result may be, could be the difference between Boris Johnson and a hard Brexit and a Labour government that can actually invest in our communities. Certainly, I think since we've developed the Green New Deal and are promising a new green industrial revolution, the Greens are largely pointless. Um, a vote for the Greens will be a vote waste in this election, and every single vote cast for a Green candidate is one step further to Boris Johnson becoming Prime Minister with a majority. Um, now, um, you mentioned uh, the Green Party, and the Green Party have uh, recently entered into an alliance with uh, the Liberal Democrats and other parties to stand down in particular constituencies where the aim is to remove um, the Conservative incumbent or uh, ensure the election of a Remain-supporting MP. Uh, why do you think this is something that Labour has not considered taking part in? Um, I think that what we're seeing here is a difference between parties of protest and parties of government. No matter what the Lib Dems and the Greens want to pretend, it's either going to be a Labour government or a Tory government that wins this election. As a result, it's not for us to, to go around the small parties with a begging bowl. If the Greens really want to help this country and go same to the Lib Dems, then they won't work to put Boris Johnson in power with the majority. Um, I think that's important for them to make this step. When they start targeting things like Bristol West, for example, where Thagenham Debonair has done a magnificent job as an MP and as a staunch advocate of Remain, it's clear what their priorities are. Do they want to help their country or do they want to help their party? Unfortunately, they seem to be helping themselves. So um, one sort of big development last week was um, Tom Watson stepping down from Parliament and stepping down as Deputy Labour leader. Do you think that sort of 
overshadowing effect at the sort of the start of the Labour campaign, this sort of sort of playing up the divisions, or do you think that overall it's sort of not going to make too much impact? Uh, to be honest, I mean, we were out this weekend. We've been out uh, selected talking to people, um, most recently on South High Street. And least they want to talk about work really about divisions or not in the Labour Party. It was much more about the things that touch people's everyday lives, to be honest. Um, people angry at stagnant wages, deeply concerned about closures to mental health and stroke units uh, in uh, in the local area. I think that's the kind of issues that really cut through for people. And certainly it's what I've been hearing on the streets. Uh, now, one issue that has also uh, marked the Labour Party and perhaps marked Labour's campaign is the issue of anti-Semitism. We've, of course, got the investigation by the Equalities and Human Rights Commission at the moment. Um, we've also had certain controversies over the Labour candidate in Coventry uh, South, who is, of course, not that uh, far from you. What do you think is the best way that Labour can deal with anti-Semitism, both externally in the wider uh, course of society and also internally within the Labour Party itself? I think you're right to bring up both internal and external questions. It is clear that since the referendum, there has been a spike in all forms of hate crime, and that's anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, um, homophobia and transphobia, which is something um, uh, myself and other people in LGBT Labour have seen at first hand. Um, In terms of cleaning house, we should have done at conference uh, something I voted for, something the Jewish Labour movement proposed, that is a fully independent complaints uh, commission within the Labour Party. Far too many people are being let off the hook, frankly, for their racism because they are friends with certain people in the party because it suits factional agendas. We can never let factionalism get in the way of dealing with anti-Semitism. As a, uh, as a solidarity member of the, of the Jewish Labour movement, I am entirely disgusted by the rise of anti-Semitism in our party. Um, there are some people who do not deserve to wear red rosettes currently standing. And I hope, I hope if we learn anything over the next few weeks, it's that nobody is going to be believe us when we speak about equality if we let racism fester in our ranks. Do you think that Chris Williamson's recent like being not allowed to stand as a Labour candidate is uh, is then a positive thing to sort of show Labour is serious on anti-Semitism even though he is standing as an independent candidate which obviously could have a negative impact in that seat well he's standing as an independent candidate because if he stands and loses he gets a redundancy payout it's all about money for him no Chris Williamson is one of the most disgusting people who've been in British politics over the last 10 years and frankly good riddance um in terms of does this mean we've turned the corner? Well, yes, it was the right, getting rid of him was the right thing to do, but it should have happened a long time ago. He shouldn't have just been suspended, he should have been expelled. Um, back in 20, back, you know, back, excuse me, back when allegations first started arriving, he's one of the worst offenders. And it's not a question of a few bad apples now, I'm afraid. It's a question of a culture promoted by one or two people where it is harder to, for Jewish people to stand up against anti-Semitism than it is for us to actually deal with the problem. Um, the way that so many Jewish activists have been treated is beyond despicable. And we, there are a lot more Chris Williams in it, Chris Williamsons in our party who need to be expelled. Uh, now, of course, one of the other great issues that has been facing uh, the political parties has been a feeling perhaps of apathy uh, towards both the main parties. What would you say to someone who is perhaps apathetic to either the Labour Party or the Conservative Party or thinks oh they're all the same, nothing's going to change it's just continuing, it's going to continue to be um, miserable and nothing 
uh, progressive uh, will happen as a result of this election? I mean, if there's if there's one if there's one thing that features our politics at the moment, it is polarisation, which whilst it creates a lot of very bitter and angry debate, it certainly means that there is a big difference between what Labour and the Tories are offering. Um, I think when I when talked to apathetic voters, no, not everybody is bound to care in it as much as um, some people do about politics. It's just important to highlight the differences that do exist between the parties. It's about, do you want an NHS that's got time to care, that has been invested in by a Labour government, or you want to see Boris Johnson sell it all to Donald Trump? Is you know a stark difference which I think has to be made. At the end of the day, it's not so much about party allegiances for most people. It's about the bread and butter issues that affect their lives. We're seeing real material changes, what people need and what people deserve. Um, and that's what we've got to promise. Now, another party that might have a big impact on the election is the SNP. Obviously, not standing in Kenilworth, but um, that's standing in every seat in Scotland. Um, do you think that Labour is taking the right line on Scottish independence, that they would allow... They would they wouldn't stand in the way of a second independence referendum, or do you think that there's sort of that's the worry is that they're sort of setting Scotland loose and they're sort of ignoring unionists or Labour voters in Scotland? I mean, I'm, I don't think I'm the only person who's who's deeply disappointed by the weak performance of the current leadership of the Scottish Labour Party. Um, this line that somehow to be, trying to be the SNP light is probably responsible for why we're now fourth placed in Scotland which, considering we were first place only 10 years ago, just so, just so a significant shift away from Labour. Now, I, to say that we wouldn't stand in the way of it is a weak line. If the Scottish Parliament ultimately votes through legislation allowing um, a second referendum, it would be, obviously, you know, it would be a constitutional crisis if Westminster just started vetoing everything the Scottish Parliament before. That would only encourage the SNP. Now, I think we need to reclaim unionism from the Tories, because they haven't maintain the union at all. Brexit is an English nationalist uh, position that they've pushed wholeheartedly, well, their former Brexit at least, their hard Brexit. Um, so in terms of Scottish independence, no, we should be making a positive case for the union, one not so much based on tradition and uh, flag waving and one based on the values we all share. We are stronger together. We can deal with the big crises of our age together, splitting ourselves up into lots of little tiny uh, patchwork of countries is only going to make climate change, big tax evasion, all those issues, they'll be much harder to deal with. Um, now, the party's manifestos haven't been released yet, but uh, when they are, what do you hope will be the three main um, focuses, the three main themes of the Labour Party's manifesto? Oh dear, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's quite a big question. Um, Okay, three things I'll be very keen to see. Um, we will be taking action uh, to deal with the housing crisis. I'm very keen to see a new generation of green social housing produced. My parents were both council house kids, and it is clear that what we need is housing as a right, not as a privilege. I think that's, that's very clear. Um, I'm very excited to see how we're going to implement the real living wage, because, frankly... The fact that most people who are living in poverty these days are in work is a scandal, and we have got to tackle in-work poverty as a matter of urgency. And thirdly, I'd like to see uh, a restoration of funding to our schools. The way schools have lost support staff has hit the most vulnerable children hardest and has 
impacted the poorest areas worst. No, I think a restoration of funding for our schools is long, long overdue. Um, so, in terms of foreign policy, do you think that that's going to be at all an issue, other than Brexit, obviously, kind of foreign policy, but in terms of, like, you know, things like relations with other countries like America, do you think that will be much of a issue in this election, or do you think it's sort of going to be overshadowed by domestic and Brexit issues? That's a good question. Um, I think certain elements of foreign policy are going to be very important because they connect to Brexit. If you take the ongoing campaign Boris Johnson seems to be running to launch some sort of trade deal with Trump's America, which is going to put the NHS up for sale, then that's a foreign policy issue that is going to come to the fore, I think. Um, I mean, I don't have crystal ball. I can't predict what the next week's going to bring. But certainly, people I've spoken to are very concerned about Boris Johnson's copying of Donald Trump's governing style and also his uh, abrasive, divisive politics, which really shows contempt for the British Constitution. Um, one of the other great issues that has um, come to the forefront recently has been... Um, Flooding. There's been a great deal of flooding in uh, Yorkshire and around the Midlands, and the Conservatives have said that they um, won't uh, address this as a national emergency. How much do you think this flooding highlights the weakness of our flood defences, and how do you think we need to um, change our approach to uh, incidents like this in the future? I mean, it is it is truly shocking that. The Tories can sit in Westminster and think that thousands upon thousands of people have been flooded out of their homes eight weeks before Christmas is somehow not an issue. Um, I mean, it is a national emergency. When we had severe floods back in 2008-2009, Gordon Brown stepped up to the plate and showed, I think, what a fantastic leader he was. You can see no better comparison than that with how Boris Johnson has wandered around with a mop recently. No, in terms of changing our approach... I think we have to firstly be better prepared for flooding because it, it is going to happen and it's going to get worse. And secondly, we have to get serious about the climate emergency. We have had this year, I think, pretty much the warmest, every single month has been the warmest month in this summer that's been on record, with the exception of August, I think, which is warm in 2016. Um, it's quite clear that climate change is having a negative impact on day-to-day weather. And the rate of change is accelerating. Unless we are serious about sorting climate change and climate emergency in the next 11 years, then this kind of flooding is going to become, do we go, we're going to have to deal with it every single year. And as a result, I'm very worried for all the communities who are directly in the firing line. So you're obviously a younger candidate and um, there sort of seems to be in sort of this kind of area in sort of Warwickshire, quite a few young candidates. Do you think that this is a good thing, that more young people and people sort of under 30 getting involved in politics? I think it's very positive. Certainly that's been the response I've, I've had on, uh, on the campaign trail so far. One or two people are interested to see how young you are and then when you tell them, they, um, they're very friendly. They say, well, how encouraging it is to see young people wanting to get involved in politics. I think this idea that young people don't care about politics is a mistake. It's it's quite rare for young people, I think, to have fixed political allegiances in terms of parties. But we're all very engaged with issues, whether it's housing or equalities. The priorities of young people are important and our votes do matter. Uh, now, British ski- uh, Steel has recently been uh, rescued by a Chinese uh, firm and the controversy 
controversy over uh, what the government would do about the collapse of British Steel has been uh, quite a big issue, um, particularly in uh, swing seat constituencies over this past uh, year or so. How do you think uh, the Labour Party, uh, if it became uh, the government, would deal with um, companies that um, were going into difficulties like British Steel, but in a way that would ensure that um, it doesn't result in redundancies or particular parts of the company being closed down? Well, British Steel is a perfect example of where the Tories have failed our industries. The only reason that British Steel was ever in difficulties was because the Tories refused to implement anti-dumping legislation. Uh, something, it's something the Chinese have been doing for quite a few years now, dumping cheap or quality steel on the market in an attempt to drive down prices and put uh, their competitors out of business. See, the Obama administration uh, was, very, was very fast to deal with this in 2014, I believe, and erected, and erected temporary tariff barriers to deal with this. And we tried to do the same in Europe, but it was Tory governments that vetoed it. Um, so certainly, I think our, our focus as a Labour Party is that we have to maintain fair conditions of trade and we don't let our industries rust away. Uh, we're coming to the end of the podcast now. Uh, it's been great to have you on, uh, Anthony. I think it's been a very interesting discussion. Thank you for being on. Thank you very much. Uh, and I'd like to ask uh, one final question. Uh, recently, uh, we've seen a uh, boxing fight between YouTubers KSI and Logan Paul. Uh, if, if there was... Um, uh, if you if you could have any fight between whether they be fictional uh, characters, whether they be real people, alive or dead, uh, what two people would you put in the ring facing one another off? Oh Christ, that's a good question. <laughs> um, wow, um, that is difficult. Um, that's the one. That's not a question I expect to be asked at all. Uh, probably, uh, probably. Oh, I've forgotten their names. You know, on The Apprentice, it's uh, Alan Sugar's two assistants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those two. I think they're both. They're both pretty damn tough, and I don't know who'd win. Uh, well, I think that'd be a, a matchup that would certainly get a lot of uh, interest, and I think that would be something that. I don't know, potentially we could see in a future episode of The Apprentice. Maybe we'll... <laughs> we'll, we'll yeah, fingers we'll, crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, so, thank you for listening to the podcast. You can find us uh, on Twitter, at Debated Podcast. You can like us on Facebook, Debated Podcast. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and uh, a couple of others. And if you want to email us, you can email us at thedebatedpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to the episode. We hope you listen to the next one.